Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hello and welcome to Wiki Shuffle. I'm Jack. Here are my podcast pals, Chris. Hello. And Phil. Hello. Uh, hopefully you've caught up with our bonus episode from last Friday, uh, where we discussed some of your submissions. We asked you for submissions of interesting Wikipedia articles. Uh, we have another one coming up this Friday which is just one article that we really enjoyed. Double whammy. Um, so, yeah, it's double like a whammy. bonus bonus. Yeah, so that'll be coming out on Friday. In the meantime, we've got a few more brand new, completely random wiki shuffles for you. Okay. Yes? Good. Chris, yes? Let's go. Let's go. All right. Robert Barclay Allardyce, which is a nice triple-barreled name. I like mm. it. It's it's got a that's a statesman's name. I can imagine he's a statesman. Robert, it's not, not triple-barreled, is it? It's double-barreled, no. and it's not even that because there's no hyphen. No, I, there's I, no barrels here, Chris. Phil, your name's Phil. Uh, <laughs> I was telling him off, so I automatically oh, assumed right. it was Chris. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I made a mistake. It's just his name, but it's a nice statesman's name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Single-barreled as it may be. Indeed, go ahead. Robert Barclay Allardyce of Uri. Do you reckon I'm pronouncing that right? No, Uri? absolutely not. U-R-Y. He was born in Stonehaven, Kincardinshire in 1779, and he died in 1854. Generally known as Captain Barclay, he was a notable Scottish walker of the early 19th century, known as the celebrated pedestrian. <laughs> His most famous feat was the walking of 1,000 miles in 1,000 hours for 1,000 guineas in 1809. Uh, Scottish walker? Yeah. Like Game of Thrones? When all the Scottish walkers come down? Oh, yeah, of course. And start killing everyone. <laughs> yeah. From the north. He was the first. Ooh, he chilling. He was he the very first. He's the, um, he's the, the lord of the... What, what is that guy's name? Oh, he's like the, the king of the White Walkers. I think he's just king of the... Like Darth Walker or something. Yeah. I can't name... I've, I'm a big Game Night of Thrones king. fan. But I can't name a single character. Uh, yeah. I'm terrible at character names in anything. They just make no impact whatsoever. So I couldn't tell you a single character name. The Mountain. I can remember the he's Mountain. I like Xerxes, but she's my favourite. You like who? Xerxes. Xerxes? Yeah, it's her name. No, that's not even her name. It is her name. No. Lena Headey. Cersei. Cersei. Yeah, he said Cersei. I said Cersei. Yeah. Cersei. What? <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> anyway, what the bloody hell is a celebrated pedestrian? This doesn't make any sense. Who was paying him a thousand guineas to walk a thousand miles in a thousand hours? There's no way he walked a thousand miles in a thousand hours. That's impossible. 
No, it's no. not. Back yeah, then, everybody was made of stronger How stuff. How is that achievable? If you walk four miles an hour... Not likely, but go on. Yeah, four miles an hour, quarter of a mile, a quarter of an hour to walk a mile, that's doable. Yeah, okay. Sustainably. Mm. So that means you only have to be walking for 25% of the time. Yeah, I guess, okay. And I know exactly what happened here. So that sounds like something this, even I could do, yeah. Fair this yeah. conversation okay. happened in a tavern, and he said, well, good sir, I challenge you. And then <laughs> this all happened, because you, you have to do it. They've got nothing else to do. I feel like the original we deserve Dave a Scottish accent for this particular argument. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not going to try. He is considered the father of 19th century sport of pedestrianism, a precursor no. to race walking. Oh, the Malcolm in the Middle episode with race walking. I think. Incredible. Yeah, when Hal, Hal does race walking. Yes. And anything Hal does is genius. Um, but it's, it's not quite up there with the skate, roller skate episode, but it's, oh, it's close. It is close. The um, dance, dance oh, machine episode. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a perfect piece of television. I'm going to have to go back and watch it. I can't mm. remember. Anyway, it's not what we're here talking about now. One day, we'll wiki shuffle on to Malcolm in the Middle. But for today, we're talking about Robert Barclay Allardyce, champion walker. Celebrated pedestrian. <laughs> Celebrated pedestrian, as it says underneath <laughs> his photo. It's not a photo, obviously, because... Oh, is it a photo? Photo, it is. Yeah, he was born. It's in later life. Yeah, 1854, he died. Well, he looks knackered. He does. He's an old man. In it is a photograph. (laughs) He would be. Have to walk in ten thousand meters. What was that? (laughs) That's my attempt. (laughs) The first Laird of Uri was reputed one of the strongest men in the country at the time of the English Civil War, and Robert Barclay Allardyce Senior was himself a noted pedestrian. (laughs) <laughs> Who noted that? Nobody's then, noted there's that. There's nothing to do. He once walked 510 miles from Uri to London in 10 days. Do you know how they would have noted that he was a pedestrian? With stationary. <laughs> assume, yeah. Almost. <laughs> there's, there's a making of a hilarious there. joke there in there somewhere. There. Yeah, yeah. I just don't let, know where. Let's let the listeners do the rest of the work. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm getting. Rearrange the words in that joke until they're funny. <laughs> Rearrange the words in this podcast until they're funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you may need to snip it in some bits from other episodes. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, other episodes of other podcasts. <laughs> So, what were his feats of pedestrianism? In 1801, Captain Barclay walked 110 miles in 19 hours and 27 minutes in a muddy park. <laughs> it was just, that's so it was shit. Just in a that's, How muddy? That's a notable feat of pedestrianism. Can't just say in a muddy park. And who was measuring that? And was I can picture him starting off walking right around the perimeter of this park, and then over time the circle just getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then, no, I've done I've done ninety laps now, and he's just spinning on the spot. <laughs> In eighteen oh five, he walked seventy two miles, one hundred and sixteen kilometers between breakfast and dinner. <laughs> And it doesn't uh, say if he was challenged. Is this just what he thought he yeah, did? Yeah, these aren't, these aren't records. These, these are just are things just, he wanted to do. These are just these feats. Are feats. Feats of pedestrianism. So anything could qualify. And who knows when breakfast and dinner were. He could have had breakfast at 3am and dinner the, next, the following <laughs> yeah, that's Tuesday. That's still quite impressive. 72 miles. So using the, the, the sums that I was using before, 72 is nine lots of... No. Maths. 18 lots of four. 
So that should take minutes. 18 hours. Yeah, mm. if he didn't stop. If he didn't stop. You couldn't keep up a pace of four miles an hour for no, 18 you could, hours. No, you could if you were a, if you were a healthy if you're pedestrian. A no, if you were, yeah, if you were I a couldn't. noted pedestrian, fair mm. enough, you might have a chance. But We're not noted pedestrians. I don't know. Just What's I, your biggest feat of pedestrian? When I was unemployed, I once walked to Asda and then Morrison's for one pint of milk. They Why didn't have a milk at Asda. They did, but I thought, oh, I'll just continue the walk. <laughs> that was I, I was unemployed. <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry, you, you went to Asda. I went to Asda. You got a pint of milk. No, I didn't get the pint of milk because I didn't want that milk. You, you wanted Morrison's milk. You wanted more upmarket That's milk. what I did. Was it Morrison's milk. at this point or was it Safeway? Um, about 10 years ago, so. Probably Morrison's. Probably Morrison's. Yeah. yeah, definitely Morrison's then. So I went to Asda. I wasn't happy with the milk. And you walked, what? Two how, miles. how far are we talking? What does milk Two and a half have to miles do probably? to anger an unemployed man? Everything angered me when I was unemployed. <laughs> and then he walked back, which is another yeah. probably two miles. I probably bought like a packet of crisps as well. I'm sure he did. You mm. rarely go <laughs> five minutes without buying a packet of crisps. Yeah. But that's the only feat of pedestrianism I've got. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really a feat of pedestrianism. It's a feat of insanity. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> oh, my feats of pedestrianism... One night after a night out in Corby, I didn't have enough money for a taxi home, so we all walked back to Kettering. Oh, that was longer than you'd imagine. That's that's, that's, that's seven that's miles, a, yeah, and, that and was it's along the side the of the morning as well. Yeah, along dual the side of the dual carriageway, and as well. we didn't go a direct route. Mm. That's one of the, if you don't obviously. You're but familiar, we knew what we were doing then, and route. there was a group of us, and it was fine. I also, uh, when I was at university, there was some ball event out in the middle of nowhere somewhere and I left it very inebriated mm. I had no idea where I was and this was at like one o'clock in the morning and I must have ended up walking for maybe five or six hours to try and find my way back to a place that I knew where I had any clue where I was mm. sorry for sniggering the whole way through that it was just the use of the word inebriated <laughs> <laughs> I'd just been to a dance and I was courting a young girl <laughs> <laughs> uh, the olden days. Mm-hmm. Talking of the olden days, this uh, pedestrian guy. Yeah. Yeah. In 1806, he walked 100 miles over bad roads in mm. 19 hours. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, and then the famous thousand hour walk. Captain Barclay's most famous exploit took place between the 1st of June and the 12th of July, 1809, at Newmarket, during which he walked one mile in each of 1,000 successive hours Mm. to win an initial wager of 1,000 guineas. Okay, that's That's pretty impressive. That's impossible. So he he walked the mile, had had a bit of a nap, a cup of tea, and then he had to have another mile every hour for 1,000 hours. That is ridiculous. And that's what, about 40 days? I'm, I, I take back any criticism I may have had of this man. Mm. That's amazing. If it's true, but that's some Jesus in the desert for 30 days and 30 nights shit, that is. He's not getting away with that. That's impossible. So between the 1st of June and the 12th of July, so that's, what, 42 days mm. of doing nothing but walking a mile. See, walking a mile now, that's very achievable. yes. It's the surviving on the sleeplessness and the mm. the rest of it, but it could be a. Re- I mean, he must have been. Let's let's he, let's find out some he more. He must have been we? hungry. It's eighteen oh nine. He can't eat. He could still eat. Yeah, it's not Greg's on the way, is there? At the same time, eighteen oh nine. Do you not have a job? <laughs> he, was, he was a pedestrian. <laughs> <laughs> He's earning a thousand guineas, which I don't know how much that is, but I imagine that's a shit ton. No, it have to be. It's 
for you to do that. The Enterprise quite caught the public imagination. This is some David Blaine shit, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, The Times, which carried a little in the way of general interest news, printed this report alongside an account of the campaigns of Marshal Salt in the Peninsula War. That's a pretty nasty dig at the Times, isn't it? Which carried little in the way of general interest news. (laughs) Well, no, I don't think that's that's a dig at the Times. It's just far too highbrow for this shit. Yeah, basically. (laughs) So here's the excerpt from the Times. The gentleman on Wednesday completed his arduous pedestrian undertaking to walk a thousand miles in a thousand successive hours at the rate of a mile in each and every hour. He had until four o'clock p.m. to finish his task, but he performed the last mile in the quarter of an hour after three with perfect ease and great spirit amidst an immense concourse of spectators. The influx of company had so much increased on Sunday that it was recommended that the ground should be roped in. (laughs) To this, Captain Barclay at first objected, but the crowd became so great on Monday that he had experienced so much interruption that he was at last prevailed upon to allow this precaution to be taken. For the last two days, he appeared in higher spirits and performed his walk with apparently more ease and in shorter time than he had done for some days before. With the change of the weather, he had thrown off his loose great coat, which he had worn during the rainy period, and on Wednesday he performed in a flannel jacket. He also put on shoes thicker than any which he had used in the earlier part of his performance. He said that during the first night after his walk, he would have himself awaked thrice or twice to avoid the danger of too sudden transition from almost constant exertion to a state of long repose. 100 to 1 and indeed any odds whatever were offered on Wednesday but so strong was the confidence in his success that no bets could be obtained the multitude of people who resorted to the scene of action in the course of the concluding days was unprecedented not a bed could be procured on Tuesday night at Newmarket Cambridge or any of the towns and villages in the vicinity and every horse and every species of vehicle was engaged (laughs) among the nobility and gentry who witnessed the conclusion of the extraordinary feat were the Dukes of Argyle and St Albans, Earls Grosvenor, Besborough and Jersey, Lords Foley and Somerville, Sir John Lode, Sir F Standish, etc, etc. <laughs> Captain Barclay had a large sum depending upon his undertaking. The aggregate of the bets is supposed to amount to £100,000. He commenced his feat on the 1st of June. £100,000, that seems like a shit ton now. Yeah. It's quite a lot. I would do it for that. Could you do it for that? If you can raise £100,000, I'll give it my best shot. Maybe we should make that a challenge. Okay, if you can get it together, yeah, I'll try. Okay. All right. All Let's right. do that. Good. Sorted. Right. I'll have to quit my job, so I better do it. That <laughs> <laughs> is the problem with a task like mm. this. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I'm not a noted pedestrian, so I can't just Celebrated get by pedestrian. on that. Celebrated pedestrian. During the 42 days of this exercise, his average time per mile increased from 14 minutes and 54 seconds to 21 minutes and 4 seconds, while his weight dropped from 13 stone 4 pounds, 84.5 kilos, to 11 stone 70 kilos. If the report of the total wages was accurate, they were equivalent to some 5 million pounds (laughs) or 8 million US dollars in modern terms. Wow, okay. That's a lot of money for a big walk. I think somebody should have another go at this. I would like to see somebody else try David Blaine. (laughs) Why David Blaine? Do you just want him to die? It's it's just up for this kind of thing, isn't he? Mm. No, because that's not... It's not magic. It's not an illusion. It's just... No, but him in a box wasn't magic. No, it's shite. 
People, yeah, there's an argument. That's that the problem with this, though. If we did this now, you would say, this is shite. I'm not watching this on the BBC. <laughs> yeah, because it's not interesting. You should be walking. It's a man walking. But back then... People have done crazier shit. Some had... guy locked himself in a room and listened to nothing but um, never going to give you up the other day. For how long? Because if it's just once, then like I could ages. probably do that. For like three days straight or something ridiculous. That's doable. But did people travel to Newmarket to witness the event? In well, their... you didn't do it in Newmarket, so no, that would be insane. <laughs> you might have done <laughs> well, he didn't. If you say you're going to do it, I reckon it will get on telly, and we'll we'll probably get a bit of coverage for it. It might kill I think you. If somebody was to try and do this again, they could they could with social media. The world could be interested. Mm. No, I disagree. People have climbed Everest now, fannying about for twenty minutes out of an hour for forty hours. But this has got because you can interview people as they're doing this, and it can have it needs to be marketed right. Mm. I saw David Blaine doing his hang, hanging upside down thing in New York. Did you? You know what? He wasn't doing it. It was just a massive lie. Yeah. So they cut to the story of him spending all this time dangling upside down by his feet, and yet we'd been there in the daytime when he was supposedly doing it, and he wasn't. He was just wandering around the right way up. How did he get away with that? I don't know. Magic. It wasn't magic. It was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he might, I'm probably going to get sued by David Blaine now. Probably. Because if that actually happened, I don't think I've got any evidence. Mm. That is a that is libel, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. But he saw it. I did see it. Uh, but but did he? Mm, yeah. And it wasn't on my own. Mm. Maybe not. he made you see that. Yeah. Um, there you go. So I also explained. think this is why I couldn't be a judge. <laughs> did you see it? <laughs> <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> Captain Barclay died in 1854 as a consequence of injuries from the kick of a horse. <laughs> That's the way to go out, isn't it? <laughs> That's not as funny as that. He spent all his time avoiding riding on horseback. And then, and then the horse goes... He's like, oh. you'll have me out of a job, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that was my best horse voice. Proportionately, I would say that we probably cover more massacres than oh, most podcasts. Again. Do we have to? Most comedy podcasts, at least. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> have we not had enough now? Can we just skip? We've got, no, we've got another massacre. Oh, where are we? This where, one. where are we this time? <laughs> yeah, where did this massacre around the world of death. <laughs> this is the Nepalese Royal Massacre. Ooh, okay. There's a bit more... Bit more interest behind this massacre. Oh, because it's the powerful that are dying. Yeah, which is always nice. Jack does not represent the opinions of the podcast as a whole. Yes, he does. Okay. Then we, we can't let that happen. We can't let, <laughs> just let that mean that wins. We mustn't let that happen. The Nepalese royal massacre occurred on the first of June two thousand and one. This is our most recent massacre. Oh, I don't think it is. No, is it? No, no, Mexico. That was um, more recent. Lost. Santos, not that Santos, shit, San Fernando. <laughs> One of them, I'm very sorry, as if our episode wasn't offensive enough to the people of San Fernando. The Nepalese Royal Massacre occurred on the 1st of June 2001 at a house in the grounds of the Narahi... Oh dear. Narayanhiti 
at the Narayanhiti Royal Palace, the then residence of the Nepalese monarchy. It was reported that the heir to the throne, Prince Dipendra, killed nine members of his family and himself during a party or monthly reunion dinner of the royal family in the house. The dead included his parents, King Birendra of Nepal and Queen Aishwarya. Prince Dipendra became de jure king of Nepal upon his father's death and died in hospital three days after the massacre without recovering from a coma. So his reward for committing this massacre was to become king for a bit. Hmm. That's a pretty good reward. As motivation goes for committing a massacre. I would do it. I wonder how many people I would have to kill to become king of England. A lot. It has to be a lot. It would be a lot. You'd yeah. have to start at the top and work your way down. Or work my way up. Why not? Kill everyone that's one. Um, <laughs> so you'd go about kill, it. Yeah, kill like the four hundred thousandth person in line for the throne, and then work my way up. Because if I start at the top, I'm going to cause a bit of suspicion. But nobody gives a shit about like normal folk, so I'll get away with it for a while. I think oh. that's how a lot of serial killers start. Yeah, yeah, it's too much hassle. I was reading about a serial killer today, mm. and he just the lengths you have to go to, digging graves. You have to be pretty physically fit. Mm. Um, can't be bothered. Fair enough. Mm. Well, whatever stops you from killing is a good yeah. enough reason for me. Lucky Indeed. for us all. Yeah. Birendra's brother, Gyanendra, became king after the massacre and the death of King Dipendra. Overview of events. According to reports, Dipendra had been drinking heavily, smoked large quantities of hashish and had misbehaved with a guest, which resulted in his father, King Birendra, telling his oldest son to leave the party. The drunken Dipendra was taken to his room by his brother, Prince Nirajan, and cousin, Prince Paras. One hour later... What does misbehaved with a guest mean? (laughs) <laughs> it's in inverted commas, and this is it could this mean is anything. The, this is the royal fa- a royal family here. So the fact that they've even been as mm. suggestive as misbehaviour suggests it was something pretty hardcore. Because you can get away with just about anything, and it won't even get a mention. One hour later, Dipendra returned to the party armed with an H and K MP5, a Franchi SPAS12, and an M16. Just bring a bottle of wine, mate. That's <laughs> <Yes>. custom. <laughs> I recognise M16, I assume the others are guns as well. Yes. Um, yeah. I know where they are. <laughs> you know do what you? they are? You're I such do. a video game nerd. I am, yeah. I is that I one where this is from? I think, yeah. So an H&K MP5, what, what's that then? I would choose the H&K MP5 because that has the greatest ammunition. I don't think it does. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. It's all right. That's so, not how you sound. Yeah, it probably is sometimes. It is a little bit, yeah. Yeah. He fired a single shot into the ceiling before turning the gun on his father. He then shot his uncle Direndra in the chest point-blank range when he tried to stop Dipendra. Prince Paras suffered slight injuries and managed to save at least three royals, including two children, by pulling a sofa over them. I wouldn't imagine that's a very effective barrier Mm. to a bullet, but... Clearly was. Clearly was. They have steel sofas in Nepal. During the attack, Dipendra darted in and out of the room, firing shots each time. This is all an unnecessary reaction to... Yeah, being misbehaving at a party and being told off by your dad. And why did he shoot the ceiling first? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't done anything wrong. (laughs) That's what you do, isn't it? 
Is it? Before you go on a rampage. I've, mm. I thought I'd kind of perfected my respectful voice that I do when I'm re- reading out massacres. I'm finding it difficult because this one's too ridiculous. <laughs> it is quite ridiculous. I can't quite sustain my serious tone. Mm-hmm. Imagine, um, I was going to say Prince William, but it would be Prince Harry. Imagine Prince Harry breaking into uh, Buckingham Palace after he's been told off for misbehaving, dressing like Hitler at a fancy dress party. What are you like? He comes in with a gun. Some name a gun, Chris, quick. Uh, a pistol. A pistol. <laughs> he comes in with a pistol. I think your position of munitions expert for the podcast <laughs> is in question. My armory is not very well stocked. <laughs> and he shoots, um, shoots the Queen in the head. He shoots Philip in the gonads. He shoots um, Charles. Camilla hides under a sofa and saves two children. Right. George and the other one. Yeah. Charlotte? Sure, yeah. why not? Um, and then dies in a coma three days later. Imagine, just imagine. It would be the biggest news story ever. And I don't think I've ever heard of this. Which, no. you know, fair enough, it's Nepal. Not much Nepalese news makes it over here, but. But still, this is news. Maybe we're just um, ignorant. Maybe this is quite a big story, or was at the time. Oh, look, at the right, it explains what those guns were. An right. H&K MP5K 9mm submachine gun, Oof. a Franchi SPAS-12 shotgun, and a Glock 19 9mm pistol. That's a lot of guns for one person for, to for be one angry prince. Probably too many. Yeah. Uh, they'd be, it'd have been advised to have not been allowed any. Mm. Then, he, then he'd just, just come back and just He's uh, one of those people, a bit. when this party was happening, they had the conversation, should we invite him? <laughs> and someone, someone is at fault here. That not he's obviously at fault as well. But whoever did the invitations, whoever did the invitations to this party, Derek, it was all your fault. You invited him. <laughs> we didn't want him here. And this he is ruined right. it again. Do you remember what happened at the barbecue? <laughs> Excerpts from the two-member committee report by Chief Justice Keshab Prasad Upadhyaya. Mm. I'm liking the Nepalese language. Mm. I mean, I'm disrespecting it quite a lot in my pronunciation as well, I'm sure, but I'm enjoying it. And sure. that's that's what this is all it's about. It's not the only part of the Nepalese culture that we've disrespected so far, uh, so it's fine. Sure. Um, the report says that King Burendra made an abortive last-minute attempt to shoot at Dipendra as the latter fired indiscriminately. According to the details of the official probe report released in Kathmandu, after getting injured in the first attack by Dipendra, King Burendra picked up the 9mm calibre MP5 case atomic... Atomic? No, it's not. It's an automatic. It's not an atomic submachine gun. That would be impressive. Mm. Which the prince had thrown before entering the billiards room in the palace for the second time and firing at the monarch and others. The late king's sister, Princess Shova Shahi, is quoted as having told the high-level probe panel. However, Shahi snatched the weapon from her brother and pulled out the magazine, thinking that it was the only weapon Dipendra had. Corroborating Shova Shahi's version, Prince Paras is quoted as having said, She, Shova, must have thought that it was the only weapon that Dai, which was the name they had for Dipendra, had, but I saw that he had much more weapons. His so when everyone was shouting at him to stop shooting, they were all going, Die! His mother, Queen Ashiwaria, who came into the room when the first shots were fired, left quickly looking for help. I'm probably not helping the narrative here by the fact that I'm changing the pronunciation of each of these names every time I say mm. them. That can't be helping the listeners. I apologise. No. 
Yeah, thanks. I, <laughs> Aishwarya and Prince Nirajan confronted Dipendra in the garden of the palace, where they were both fatally shot multiple times. Jesus. How can he be shot fatally multiple times? I, I'm in agreement there. That's poorly worded. Yeah. This article's a joke. Dipendra then proceeded to a small bridge over a stream running through the palace, where he shot himself. Lamteri, a junior army staff at Narahanyati Palace, I definitely didn't pronounce that that way last time, claimed that he saw Dipendra, who got six bullet shots in his back and one on the left hand in an inebriated state in his private room before the royal family was killed. This week, Nepal elected their first ever female prime minister. Mm-hmm. Or president. So there you go. It's nice. Yeah. Well done, Nepal. Mm. And they have... She might not be nice. She might be an awful person. <laughs> Probably is. Well, we've yeah. only had one female prime minister and she was a... The aftermath. Dipendra was proclaimed king while in a coma, but he died on the 4th of June 2001 after a three-day reign. So presumably he would have become king. Well, he I killed, mean, he was king. He but... killed a lot of people to get there. Yeah, but how can they allow that? I guess he's got ultimate power, hasn't he? Because he's the king. I suppose that's how it works. Yeah, so yeah, there must have been some questions asked as to whether this was acceptable. So if he survived this, let's say, while he was king, mm. and then says, look, you know what you did? Yeah. And he goes, I'm king now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fuck you. Get in your chamber. Is that what he was thinking? Is that it's like, well, if I do this, I'm king Well, now. no, because he shot himself in the head, so oh. he probably wasn't expecting to be king. Mm. So but he yeah, got a little bonus. Was... <laughs> There'd be some questions to be answered, wouldn't there? Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. want him to be king. No, but I'm we don't. We dead. don't want Prince Charles to be king. But it's going to happen. Probably not via a bloody rampage. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Queen Elizabeth is hanging on. He must be getting pretty frustrated. Still, I'll take the bet that that is not how <laughs> Prince Charles becomes king. All right, fine. Ten quid. You're on. Bollocks! I'm really poor. <laughs> <laughs> Gyanendra was appointed regent for the three days, then ascended the throne himself after Dipendra died. Well, while Dipendra lived, Gyanendra maintained that the deaths were the result of an accidental discharge of an automatic weapon. <laughs> However, he later said that he made this claim due to legal and constitutional hurdles. That's the worst Olympic event. <laughs> so dull. Since under the constitution and by tradition, Dependra could have been could not have been charged with murder had he survived. Because of tradition. Yeah. That is so stupid. So I'll lie about what happened because tradition says that you can't be charged with murder. So he was found to be responsible for the killing in the end. He was. There was a two-man committee, which we've already talked about. Um, comprising the Supreme Court Chief of Justice and the Speaker of the House of Representatives. And it was a week-long investigation that concluded after interviewing more than 100 people, including eyewitnesses and, and palace officials, guards and staff. They concluded that Dependra had carried out the massacre. That uh, seems like a long time to be debating this. I don't know. There's loads the of people that saw it. You say that, but the Chilcot inquiry is only coming out in June next year. Ah, true. And, yeah, actually, that's a pretty quick, quick turnaround. Mm. 
A large number of critics and Nepalese, both inside Nepal and abroad, disputed the official report because many facts and evidence reported by the investigation team seemed contradictory in many aspects. A close aide of Dipendra, when he was prince, said of Dipendra, he can give up the throne for the sake of his love, but he can never do this kind of thing. <laughs> he really can't. I think that's a meatloaf lyric, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, little game of would you rather, because everyone loves that. Yeah. Would you rather live the pathetic and poor lives that we do now? Mm-hmm. My life isn't pathetic. Or be a king for, let's say, 30 years and then get gunned down by your son. I, I like my life. That's not even a difficult question. Really? Yeah. But you get to live like a king, literally, because you are a king. There's no other caveat to that. I just get to live like a king. You live like a king, king, you can do whatever the fuck All you right, want. All right, I'm going to live like a king, I'm going to crush my son. <laughs> oh my but so, I'm, I'm, so we're definitely dying at 30 years, so you only get to live 30 years. Uh, from now, so you'll be 50, <coughs> let's say you'll be oh, no. 60. <laughs> <laughs> 60 odd. <laughs> 66. You'll be 66. Oh yeah. my God. Um, and, uh, and then yeah you'll be gunned down by your son and you can't do anything about it it's going to happen oh, okay. you can't crush your son Chris mm. I don't have a son if you have right it's a hypothetical situation <laughs> can you just answer the question I've already so answered the question I like would, my life I would okay, very Chris, happily yeah, stay would. where I am you'd be a king I'd, be a, I'd, be, I'd, I'd totally be a, be a king what kind of an idiot likes his life exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry God. about that think of all the stuff you'd have the hats think mm. of all the hats you'd have yeah you love hats I think they call them crowns. I call them hats. Okay. That's my first what, thing. Uh, the, big, the big sparkly chairs, you get them? You yeah. Get big sparkly chairs. We would probably get a few more podcast listens. Yeah. yeah. I'd make if, them. If we had three. I mean, to be honest, I'll just be on your coattails. There'll be two kings on the podcast already. We don't need a third. Yeah, True. but if there was a third, we could call the podcast We Three Kings. Mm. And that'd be nice. So and you're off. Can... <laughs> oh. and, and Charlie's Charles. coming in. Up, yeah. That would be our way. To sort of give out our message because we make people listen to it. They have to listen. Mm. Have to, we can play it from like speakers in town centres. Yeah. Again, Constant. we have spoke about this in the past, and any time you get a, an idea of having any semblance of power in your life, you turn into the most frightening man alive. <laughs> <laughs> you could just like if you're in like shopping in Asda, I don't because like supermarket shopping, it's boring, isn't it? And the music's crap. Rather in the tannoy, you could just have like cheer up shoppers. And then do the message for the week. <laughs> as if going to Asda isn't a miserable enough experience as it is. Yeah, it's just being barked at to cheer up. Yeah. You see, there's no, there's no real sympathy. You yourself, having grown up as a pauper, mm-hmm. you've forgotten about that entirely. Oh, yeah, I Instantly. think that's instant. Yeah, that's instant. Chris, we were once talking about what would happen if Chris <laughs> was the king of the world. And he decided that he would make, he would make everyone play in a massive football tournament. Yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't even like football. He replaces football. the World Cup, doesn't he? He replaces the World Cup, and anyone can be forced to play in a team. Yeah, 80-year-old women, 4-year-old like children. Like jury service. And I wouldn't say 4-year-old children, because they're not going to be able to run fast. <clears throat> you did say that. Especially though. when the Tigers are involved. Oh, yeah, the Tigers. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, and they play a 90-minute match, and if you're not seen as putting in full effort, you die. Hmm. If you are on the losing side, you die. If you're on the winning side, but you don't... Chris doesn't really feel like you put good effort in and were particularly skillful, you die. Um, tigers, this is in, I think in the last 10 minutes you unleashed the Tigers on the yeah, pitch. Sometimes football's boring. Like multi-ball, but uh-huh. with a bit more excitement. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. It's a good idea. I can't remember, it was World Cup last year, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, it was the year before. It was remember. last year. 
anyway, we'll get a frightening glimpse into the future of um, Chris's reign when the World Cup goes to Qatar in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> it be brilliant. It would be a good sort of... See, see what the playing field's like. Yeah. If people are like that, then I'll just suggest the idea. You get a medal. What do you mean you get a medal if you win? If you survive. But oh. only the winning team survives. So 11 yeah. people out of how many teams? How many... I haven't thought that far ahead. You said everyone would be in a team. So you're basically going to have no, 11 everyone... people left in your population. Hmm. I'll talk to my... my advisors. Aid. My advisors. I don't have them. because They're I terrified people. The ones that you've got are very scared. <laughs> and just to give you a heads up, they're plotting right now. They <laughs> they're, they're plotting to overthrow you. They can, try, you they can they... go into my gulags. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to go anywhere near your gulags. <laughs> Should we go back to this massacre? Yeah, why not? Great. This actual massacre, not this pretend the massacre. massacre. Not the potential massacre. Rumours regarding the cause of the massacre. The widely circulated rumour is that Prince Dipendra was angry over a marriage dispute. Dipendra's choice of bride was Devyani Rana, daughter of Pashupati's SJB Rana, a member of the Rana clan, which the Shah da- dynasty have a historic animosity against. Citation needed. <laughs> The Rana clan had, sev- had served as the hereditary prime ministers of Nepal with the title Maharaja until 1951, and the two clans have a long history of intermarriages. It is also speculated that the reason for the marriage dispute over Dipendra's choice of wife was that the royal family had a position that the crown prince should not marry someone having relatives in India, as Devyani did. Also, the fact that Devyani Rana's mother, Usharaji Sindhya, was of Gwalior royal lineage, wasn't considered impressive by the Nepal royal family. Prince Dipendra also courted Supriyara Shah, who was the granddaughter of Queen Mother Ratna's own sister. This story's got Ooh. everything. Yeah. I mean, it's confusing, but there's definitely some, you know, proper old school royal family incest going mm-hmm. on here, which is good to see it's nice to see that that's a world world, yeah, uh, worldwide tradition and yeah. not just in the UK. Yeah. And that it's that it's alive and going strong. Queen Ashiwarya, although initially against the relationship due to family ties and the view that Supriya would be incompetent as queen, <laughs> as to which expressions by the queen were heard by an aide, nevertheless favoured Supriya over Devyani Rana, since if Supriya became queen, the Shah dynasty would not have to share its power with the Ranas, entailing formation of an unwanted political alliance. I think the likelihood of anyone following this without reading the article at the same time is pretty low because I'm struggling. Yeah. It is a bit Games of Thronesy, isn't it? Yeah. Gamesy Thronesy. Gamesy Thronesy. It's a bit Gamesy Thronesy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, Chris. What? We can say that. Yeah. Gamesy Thronesy. It's Gamesy Thronesy. Gamesy Thronesy. I like it. When, when there's a lot of names. Oh, so Gamesy Thronesy. There's a nice Gamesy Throny, um reference in the new Bond film. Is there? Mm. I haven't seen it yet. Keep your eyes out for that. Gamesy frenzy reference in that. Should we knuckle down for some conspiracy theories? Yes, yes, yes. Obviously, there's some conspiracy theories. Many They were lizards the whole time. They were all lizards. Oh, can we get David Icke on the podcast? That would be good. That would be terrifying. It would be terrifying. That would be good. I'd probably get on really well with him. That's terrifying. Absolutely, you'd be best friends. You and David Icke's vision of the future. I cannot he, imagine any world. Eight. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> what did you think of these proposals? Brilliant. Mm, he was Fantastic. a footballer as well, so he'll know all oh, the He can be outs. head coach. He could be head coach for every team. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Poor David Ike. Yeah. Overworked. 
Conspiracy theories. Many Nepalese people are sceptical of the official report that the then Crown Prince Dipendra carried out the murder. King Birendra and his son Dipendra were very popular and well respected by the Nepalese population. Subsequently, oh good God, Pushpa Kamal Dahal Prashanda. Well, that wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. The chairman of the Nepalese Maoist Party in a public gathering claimed that the massacre was planned by the Indian Intelligence Agency or the American CIA. Well, it wouldn't wouldn't be a conspiracy theory if the CIA weren't at least partly responsible. They killed so many many people and got away with them all. Promoters of these ideas allege Gyanendra had a hand in the massacre so that he could assume the throne himself. That does seem to maybe hold some water because Dipendra shoots himself in the head straight away. They could have done it together and then Gyanendra decided to claim the throne for himself. Yeah. And everyone else was too scared to speak up because he was obviously a complete tyrant like Chris. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, especially when you read the next bit, his ascension to the throne would only be possible if both of his nephews, Dipendra and Narajan, were eliminated. Mm. Moreover, Gyanendra and especially his son, Prince Paras, were grossly unpopular with the public. On the day of the massacre, he was in Pakara, whilst other royals were attending a dinner function. Mm. His wife, Kamal, Paras, and his daughter, Pararana, were in a room at the royal palace during the massacre. While the entire families of Burendra and Dipendra were wiped out, nobody in Gyanendra's family died. His son escaped with slight injuries, and his wife sustained a life-threatening bullet wound, but survived. Um, Okay. I'm watertight, in my opinion. This guy did it. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that two survivors have publicly confirmed that Dipendra did the shooting, as was documented in a BBC documentary, the chain of events is disputed by some Nepalese. After the monarchy was abolished through a populist uprising, there have been several claims refuting the official report. Among them is a book published in Nepal named Raktakunda, recounting the massacre. It looks at the incident through the eyes of one one of the surviving witnesses, Queen Mother Ratna's personal maid, identified in the book as Shanta. The book, which the author says is a historical novel, posits that two men masked as Crown Prince Dipendra fired the shots that led to the massacre. Shanta's husband, Trilakan Akiaria, also a royal palace employee, was killed along with ten royal family members, including the entire family of King Burendra. In addition to details of the royal massacre, Shanta alleged many other cover-ups by the royal family, including a claim that the previous king, King Mahendra, committed suicide. Wow. Interesting. Oh, and actually, over in 2006, uh, the, the role of king was not quite scrapped, but a lot of his... Um, his right to veto laws was taken away um, and all, basically all of his major powers and it was sort of a, a king in parliament style deal where he's just a figurehead. And his ability to be to murder his way into power, is that still allowed? Uh, it's not because he's dead. He's probably dead. He's probably dead. It doesn't actually say if he's dead or not. Only seven years have passed, so he may well not be dead. Well, he's done well out of it anyway. I'm sure he's quite happy. Unless he didn't do it and you know, all his family were killed, in which case he's probably quite unhappy. Turns the brakes. Mm, swings another, and roundabouts. Another mystery solved <laughs> by the Wiki Shuffle team. There's a category page, 2001 Crimes in Nepal, 
of which the only entry is the Nepalese Royal Massacre. <laughs> it's a big deal. Probably, probably not worth having that page, <laughs> I don't think. Thank you for downloading and listening to Wiki Shuffle. We will be back on Friday for that bonus episode we mentioned at the beginning. Uh, let's spare the listeners all of our normal Twitter and email and address. You always gubbins. want to spare them from it because it's really. But I hate, I hate when I'm listening to podcasts and you get that big spiel at quick. the end. Because do it, it as fast as you can, and then we'll time it to see how long it takes up uh, a podcast time. Okay. Go. Go. Twitter at WikiShufflePod, wikishuffle.co.uk, or send us a postcard, WikiShuffleHQ, 1B Headlands, Kettering, NN157ER. 12. 12 what? Seconds. You were counting the seconds with your fingers. Yeah. Is that the counting <laughs> method? Because I was listening to the so same accurate. time. Uh-huh. So I can't accurate. Do, I can't do both. I can't do both at the same time. And you've got natural timing, so you're confident that was 12 seconds. Yep. I, I don't have anything to disprove what you're saying. 12, 12-ish seconds. That's how long it took. Is that worth it? Uh, I, I don't know. 12 Chris seconds. Is, <laughs> uh, you're just alarming. You're an alarming individual. Hey, girl, that was three Chris minutes. Hope you enjoyed them. Yeah, they would do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you on Friday for the bonus episode. Bye-bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 